Hello, welcome back to the channel. Please consider subscribing if you enjoyed the video. Serious. Serious. What's the scariest thing you've seen that you can't get out of your head? Was on acid in the forest with some, not so good, friends. We were on the side of a hill that had a road at the top. I saw a car stop and a girl run out, crying and looking terrified with her shirt falling off. Then a guy came out and was looking after her. I didn't know what the situation was, but I was worried about her and wanted the guy to know there were people watching. He looked like he was about to run after her, so I screamed hey. He looked over, got back in his car and peeled off. My friends tried to convince me that I didn't see what I thought I saw or I was blowing it out of proportion. I countered back that regardless, that guy just left that girl distressed and in the forest, running away and not toward civilization. They convinced me that there was nothing we could do, wouldn't go with me to check for her, and wanted to stay there and keep smoking and enjoying themselves. The encounter threw me into a loop. I'm no longer friends with those people. Well, this wasn't extremely scary, and I remember it out of nowhere, but this was too much of a coincidence. A movie theater me and my friends went to is located in front of a river stream, and there were some stairs leading to it, so me and my friends were hanging out on said stairs. Out of nowhere, one of my friends talks about some bullshit he probably made up, and it went something like this in this river, some guy fell into this part specific, and he got sweeped away and died. After he said that, a guy coming right behind us stopped to talk to us, and he had his hand out. My friend was using his phone, and we thought the guy was about to snatch the phone, but instead, he wanted to shake my friend's hand, he introduced himself. We thought this was weird enough, but out of nowhere, the guy said, that part right there, that's where my friend died when he told us that, he immediately fell to his side and was just lying there. What's crazy is there is no way he could have heard my friend talking about the story he made up as he was whispering it to us, and while he was telling the story, the guy was a good 30 feet away. We haven't talked about it since, as I hardly ever see them, and it's not something we ever brought up afterwards. The worst thing for me that I still see sometimes when I close my eyes is my husband taking my long fought for, IVF, baby out of the sling he'd been carrying him. The baby was completely blue and floppy. His head had flopped forward, closing his windpipe, and when he'd stopped crying, we just assumed he'd gone to sleep. Luckily I was pumping to feed as he was hungry so wasted was only in the sling for 15 minutes. Hubby administered CPR whilst I screamed down the phone at ambulance control. Can still remember my words, 10 week old baby not breathing, blue and floppy first thing response got there so freaking quickly, less than 5 minutes, parked in the middle of the road and ran into the house. By this time was baby was breathing again. An ambulance followed shortly after, and then police appeared in the house. Always get called to babies not breathing, apparently. At the time, I was suffering postnatal depression and convinced somebody was going to take him away from us and that we had cameras watching etc. So the police turning up added extra stress to the situation, though within a few minutes, they were chatting relaxedly and said they could see we were good parents. Blue lighted to A and E and rushed into recess, although by this time, he was mainly okay. Admitted onto the ward for monitoring for two nights as his oxygen kept dropping quite low. Middle of COVID so I stayed with him, but husband wasn't even allowed to visit. Never, ever been so scared. Oh, and this all happened on Christmas Eve. Baby is now a happy and healthy 18 month old, thank goodness, but for a few minutes, I honestly thought we'd lost him. A couple of years ago, I was walking around downtown with my boyfriend when a cyclist was pedaling towards us on our right. While crossing the street, the cyclist, going pretty fast and not wearing a helmet, went to do that little hop up onto the sidewalk but either didn't hop high enough or waited too long to do it, and ended up completely wiping out, 
head first, onto the concrete directly in front of us. His head cracked right open instantly, and blood started pouring out. His eyes were open, no expression on his face, no signs of breathing. He just laid there, bleeding profusely. I was completely frozen. Luckily, a few people ran to his aid and called 911, making sure not to move him or anything. I'm not sure how long I stood there in complete shock, but my boyfriend took me back home at some point. I don't know if the guy was okay or not. I also learned how not great I am in emergency situations that day. A terrible thing to witness, but at least you learned something about yourself that day. Also wear a helmet. I've got one. So one time, when I was a kid, five to seven years old, my family went out on a drive. We stopped at a red light and waited. Then suddenly, out of the blue, there's this kid running full speed into traffic. Not surprisingly, he was hit by a car. After he got hit, he slammed into the side of a truck. There was a huge crowd over there. My parents are doctors, so they rushed to help him. I remember being terrified AF, and I was hoping he would be fine. I saw him lying there just unconscious while my parents performed CPR. Finally, after some 15 minutes of chest compressions, he woke up while in severe pain. After that, we called an ambulance, and he went to the hospital. He was doing fine until two days later, he went into cardiac arrest and died. RIP to that kid. My prayers are with him. Apparently, he was trying to cross the street with his little brother. Fortunately, his brother survived, and he ran home and told his parents. Truly sad and traumatic for me. Knocking with no known source. Knocking on my window and wall. No known source. We have looked into it. In my old room, it was on my window. Didn't sound like a rock or bird. Just knocking on the window. Came in threes, only when I was alone and never when I had a camera rolling the house. Nothing. Nothing can be making the house for the way it sounds and so consistently. I've tried recording it, tried showing other people, but when I do, it goes dead silent. My boyfriend heard it once, via FaceTime. We were chatting, and it went off. I had told him about it, but he didn't believe me. Thought I was hearing things. When it happened, I jumped up. He claimed I was near the wall, hands out of camera view. So I held my hands up, and went into full view of the camera so he could see it wasn't me. Silence. For five minutes. I put my hands down and scooted back to my spot. The second my hands left the view of my camera, you guessed it. The knocking happened again. He claimed BS on me and dropped the topic. It was frustrating. Very frustrating. No one believes me. Still just completely boggles my mind as it happens frequently. There's a long list of things I can't forget. My grandparents died, my mother abused me both verbally and psychically, one of the two grandmothers I have left abused me verbally, but I'll never forget the day I almost drowned in a bathtub. I thought I was going into a special education class. And because my family demonized my mental health problems, including panic attacks, any type of stimming, anxiety tics, even feeling like my life wasn't great was frowned upon. I broke. It was like there was a thread in my head. And it just snapped as soon as I read the paper. The thing was, the sadness and mind break was in vain. I read the fucking paperwork wrong, and it was just worded confusingly. But at the time, I was thinking of my family and their honor. Future generations, my children, my grandchildren. Everything popped into my head, and I told my dad that I was going to take a bath. I made a playlist of songs I wanted to die to. To set the mood, and also to get me, as fucked up as it is, more motivated to die. I slid down and waited until I couldn't do it anymore. My instincts kicked in, and I sadly looked at my wet hair. Whenever my hair is wet or whenever I wash it, 
I'm thankful that I didn't die, but I also think about how scary that shit was. I guess it was one or two years ago when my stepfather still lived with us. My mom and him were at our neighbor's flat right above us and drank together while I was trying to sleep. Like always when they drink, my mom and him started to fight again, and my stepfather came back while my mom rather stayed with my neighbor a little longer, but after an hour she came back too. I heard them fighting again so I couldn't sleep that night. After some time my mom sat alone in the living room, and I came to her and asked why they were even fighting again. We talked for a bit, and then I wanted to go to the bathroom, but when I opened the door, I saw my stepfather lying on the ground, unconscious, and he was barely breathing. I told my mom, and she panicked while I tried to stay calm though my whole body was shaking. I called an ambulance, and while talking to the other person on the phone, my stepfather stopped to breathe and started shaking, later, we found out it was a heart attack. His eyes were open while that happened and looked completely lifeless. While this guy tried to tell me how to resuscitate him, my mom still panicked, ran around, screamed around, was shaking on him to wake up, and I wasn't able to speak to her and tell her to please leave because when she's drunk, she is too stubborn. But this moment was the most traumatizing and scary moment of my life, looking at this lifeless body while one person around me is completely panicking and the other person on the phone tries to tell me that my mom should leave somehow and how to resuscitate him. Luckily when the ambulance arrived, he woke up. But there is also a funny and stupid part about this because he didn't want to go with the ambulance men because they're from a hospital he didn't like. He still came with them, and the day after, he just ran away from the hospital and hours later, the police stood in front of our house as well because of that. I was about 7 years old, attending an aging Catholic school in Portland, Oregon. Just across the street was a playground that had equipment that had to have been placed there in the 1940s. Everything was real metal, including one of those metal slides that we were fairly positive that allowing kids to slide down on hot days constituted a war crime of some manner. One such piece of equipment was this 20-sided polyhedron jungle gym. Worked metal bars that had been flattened on two ends to be literally bolted to a circular plate, then buried in dirt to keep it secure. Nowadays, these bolts are often covered with rubber or some kind of safety sheath to prevent what I'm about to describe from happening. This school's jungle gym had no such covers. Rounded bolts that jutted out about half an inch from that round plate, were injuries waiting to happen. After lunch, my class, and I, were escorted across the street to play for a while. I honestly barely remember anything leading up to that moment, only that I found myself inside the gym playing with a classmate. I'll call him Tony. Tony and I had both taken the same gymnastics classes. We were ever so nimble on uneven bars, and other traditional gymnastic pieces. Tony had been sitting on one of the topmost bars, then would grip the bars and freefall backwards, catching himself with his legs on the bar. In some cases, he'd continue his momentum, let his legs go, and perform a marvelous flip dismount and land. He was quite grateful, to be honest. He was setting up for another one of these when disaster struck. A nearby impromptu game of dodgeball was happening several feet away. At one point, a wild throw of the dodgeball sent the ball careening at Tony. Tony was stuck somewhere, and he fell backwards. Somehow his angle was all off, and, disgusting crunch here. He let out a blood-curdling scream, pulled his head back, and immediately blood began gushing out of the top of his head, like something out of a grindhouse horror flick. I rushed to his aid. Foolishly I said to let me see it. He bent forward, and amidst spurts of blood, I could actually see his brain. I damn near fainted on the spot. Somehow, I mustered my strength to put an arm under his, get him out from under the gym, and rush him to our teacher's aid, Sister M. The other kids screamed at the horror show, and my white uniform shirt was rapidly turning red. I rushed him over to Sister M, who had only just noticed. She screamed, and she fainted. 
for F's sake. Fortunately, the administration office's house was literally where we were standing. An aide inside heard the commotion and ran out to see what was happening. She damn near fainted, but helped administer first aid. I heard her say, he's not going to make it if we don't get him to a hospital soon. I had a flash of genius. I asked to use the phone, and they agreed, as there was a second line free. I called my dad, a commercial helicopter pilot. At that time, he was flying an old Huey, which was perfect. He was physically closer than any ambulance, so I told him the situation. Dad told me that, if mishandled, it could be super illegal, but he'd see what he could do. Dad contacted the FAA, the school, and the local authorities asking for emergency permission to take off from within the neighborhood, land in the school parking lot, and then perform emergency life flight services to ferry him to Osu. In Tony's fortune, all parties told him to go ahead, once his credentials were verified. Dad, a former combat pilot in Vietnam, took his Huey and took off from within our neighborhood, launching from the back of his flatbed. He flew into the parking lot, landed, and then took Tony, Sister M, the aide, and the principal on board and flew off. I was sent home, and due to the emergency, the school was dismissed. Pretty much every stitch of clothes I had on had to be thrown away due to how much blood was on them. I showered, redressed, and mom drove me to the hospital where he was taken, to be there for Tony. It's that image, that hole in his head, that every now and again flashes in my mind. I live in a top floor flat, so I'm about 20 feet up in the sky, anyways it was a cold night, and I got up from my bed, and I saw a handprint on the window. This window has no ladders or anything to climb up to. I passed the handprint again, and it is abnormally large for any handprint. I matched my hand, and of course, my hand was small, got my sister's hands to match it, and it wasn't her. I got my mother and matched her hand with the print, and it was not her. Finally, I told my dad to match his hand and guess what? It is still small. I asked them if they did it but they don't recall coming to my room. I got slightly nervous, then I tried rubbing it off and guess what? The handprint was on the outside part of the window. How is it possible for someone to reach my window while my flat is so high in the air? It still remains a mystery, I guess. Perhaps it was your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, or Spider-Woman. The crazy thing about my area it seemed to be a hot spot for suicide by train, not just that, but a major heroin spot, that our house was used for cover involving two rival drug gangs, and some were killed in our yard, the rest arrested. By the time I was 11, I'd seen three proper suicides and a number of others that were cries for help, plus a shooting that happened in our yard and home. I lived right next to a major train crossing and 200 meters from the station. The main one that I keep remembering and pushing down was as a 4-yo, a guy jumped in front of our train and were forced to hop out and walk past the scene. My mum tried to shield my eyes, but I fought and saw a pile of mush. About six years later, a guy about 17 to 20 wandering along the train platform. Meanwhile I'm looking in that direction while speaking to my friends and all of a sudden, as the train is approaching, he jumped in front, I was staring in silence until my friends noticed what had happened. Not long after, we were there still speaking to police, and they lifted his body up to the platform. The crazy thing is his disc man that he was listening to was left there alongside the tracks for months, he used to stare at it whenever we were there. Not long later, another jumped. I didn't see but heard the squelch like noise. A year later, a lady climbed onto the main structure crossing the tracks, and jumped, we saw this as we walked home from school as a friend from class lived directly opposite it. Those things shaped me, I believe to not be as empathetic as I should be. 